So last week, um, I was ziplining a foofy slide, as you just heard uh, from, from Dylan. Uh, for a guy who's afraid of heights, um, they didn't tell me the whole story. I kind of arrived and then found out, no, I'm joking, Gary's there, he knows I'm lying. All right. No, uh, it was an incredible wedding. Congratulations to Gary and Wedding. Wendy for the wedding of their middle daughter, Carly. Uh, really, really one of the most special weddings I've ever been at. Really, congratulations. As for you who were here last week, we kicked off a new series called Pause, and Mozzie did a, an absolutely incredible job of uh, starting Pause last week for us. Uh, I listened to it online during the week. If you haven't heard it yet, please hop online, bikerschurchmidran.co.za. The online message is there. It is free. You do not have to pay for it. Please go and have a listen to it. It is really, really worth listening to. Um, Mozzie said, if you're visiting... Don't worry, I'm not here next week. It'll be much better next week. I think he undersold what happened last week. Uh, it was really, really incredible. Um, so pause. What is pause all about? As you know, we're busy with a, a mid-year break. Uh, as a church, we're busy with a mid-year break. As you can see, church is, however, still open, uh, seeing as you are sitting here. Uh, we all got that. So... Church is still happening, the office is still happening, but essentially what we're doing with our mid-year break is we are just taking our midweek activities and putting them on pause for about a month. And as we do that, the goal of it is for families to reconnect, refocus, and really just recharge for the second half of the year to come. But not just that. For us as families or for us as individuals to to maybe have a little less screen time and a little more FaceTime, and that's not the Apple version, uh, actual FaceTime, uh, and just reconnect with each other, reconnect for, with God's heart for our lives, for our families, for our work situations, for our relationships, for all these aspects of life, to really just come and reconnect with the heart of God for our lives. Uh, so I hope that you as a family have taken up this mid-year break and have maybe changed a couple of things during the week. Maybe there's uh, no TV on while there's dinner and maybe after dinner there's a little more engaging and talking about life and where's God's heart for this family at this time. Now, when I say pause, uh, you know, I, for some reason, my mind went to a VHS. There's some people sitting here who have no idea what a VHS is. Um, so I don't know if you've ever hit pause on a VHS. For those of us over a certain age, all the Gen Xs in the room and baby boomers and those folks, um, as you hit pause on, a, on a, a, uh, a VHS, what happened? It's not like a DVD where the thing just freezes and then it's frozen. There was like a bit of a shudder to it, isn't that the truth? Depending on how good your VHS was. But there's like a bit of a shudder to your VHS, right, to the, to the picture. However, the, 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 the story didn't carry on. It actually did stop, okay, for all the millennials in the room. Story actually did stop. But there was just a shudder on the screen. And as the shudder was on the screen, though the story had stopped, so 
there was still movement. And I, I really just sense like that's what this series really speaks into and what, what, what our mid-year break speaks into. Even though we've hit pause on certain things, there's still movement. There's still movement. There's movement and focus into other aspects of life. And do, throughout this series of pause, we're going to be connecting with certain of these aspects and really just kind of trying to gain, gain God's heart and, and His direction for our lives, for our families, for this ministry, for our workplace, for, for every aspect of our, of our lives moving forward. Now, as I said, VHS, I recognize that there's a bit of a generational gap within that. There, there just is. There's some of us who know, uh, like you'd say, 8-track. I've actually never heard an 8-track. There's some of you who know what an 8-track is. The millennials in the room are now completely lost. Uh, no idea what an 8-track is. What do you mean it didn't come on an iPod or some form of digital music? You bought CDs? Don't you just buy your music online? No, there were 8-tracks once upon a time. So there's Generation X. I'm kind of at the end of this whole Generation X uh, scenario and and the thing with that as I look at the generations over time there's something that 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 happened is that technology grew isn't that true and and, and technology sped up and technology just I mean it just it explodes if you consider where technology was for example if you're a millennial in the room um, believe it or not I got my first cell phone when I was 19 years old 19. Some of my friends got exactly, there's some people sitting here going, dude, I was like 35. <laughs> That's okay. We love you. Some of my friends got phones when they were like 15. I just, I was a, I, I rebelled against technology for as long as I could. Um, so I got, I got my first phone when I was like 19. Uh, if, if for the millennials, if that's hard to imagine, um, I think I, I first engaged with social media when I was about 23. 23 was about the first time that, that I got into social media. It was a platform called MySpace. Um, I think it still exists. I'm not sure because mine somehow got turned into Spanish and I never knew how to turn the thing off. So it's still out there in cyberspace somewhere. I just have no control over it. Um, after, after MySpace came Facebook. Um, and then I, there was like this little affair with, with Twitter for a little while, but it just never made any sense to me. And, and today, if I'm honest, I'm horrific when it comes to social media. I'm absolutely horrible. I, I Facebook like twice a month if Facebook's, I was going to say Facebook's lucky or if I'm lucky, I don't know. Um, I Instagram a little more, but, but ultimately, when it comes to this thing of technology, for a lot of folks, you're thinking to yourself, where was life before all this technology? Where were we at? How were we engaging? How were we communicating? It's, you see, when it came to technology, there was good and there was bad. Let's be honest. There's, there's good stuff that comes from all of that. But there's also some pretty destructive stuff that comes from all of that. And don't worry, I'm not going to... The message isn't on the, the evils of social media today. That's not the title of my sermon, I promise. Um, the truth is that one of, the, one of the biggest things that, as I was just thinking through this this week, one of the biggest things that I, that I saw 
change as technology changed was, uh, let's call it the burden of comparison. Comparing, comparing with each other. How did you used to compare, if you're honest? For, for anyone who's older than me, my age and older, how did you used to compare? You used to be standing in your driveway, watering the garden, and then your neighbor pulled in with his brand new Camry. And you kind of glanced over at your XR6 and you couldn't believe that his car was so much better than yours. No. <laughs> you can see we've got some brand rivalry going on here. Or, or you, you stopped at your favorite breakfast run destination with your beautiful katana. And then some chop comes and pulls in next to you with a brand new GSX-R. Brand new. Or ladies, you, you actually had to go to a function. You had to go to a dance or you had to go to an event with the dress that you specifically picked out for that event. Only to arrive and to check out every single other woman's dress. And compare, is my dress better than hers? Is her dress better than... The, her dress is definitely better than hers. My dress, I think, is better than hers, but it's not as good as that one. I should have really got that dress. But yet somewhere along the line, everyone said yes to the dress. Isn't that just the truth? And, and, and whenever it came to comparing, it, it was geographically bound. We had to actually be somewhere to see something in order to compare hasn't life changed now now you sit in bed at night like you know just that last thing you do just before you close your eyes and pull the phone out and you're scrolling and what are you seeing i mean you don't even have to be there you just have to be on your phone and as you scroll what do you see you see someone's brand new selfie you know other, that whole, and it's got to be from up here, because then everything's in proportion. And I've, I've got to say this, I really have to say this, what freaks me out, just being honest, is when there's this precious young lady, and she's posting this, this selfie, you know that one, the, with the lips and the, and the, and all that you see is, you know, this hair, and this makeup that's this thick and the cleavage that's out here and the bum that's out there and the, the whole trip and then at the bottom the inscription is how beautiful are the feet of those who spread the gospel and I'm like my girl I'm sad to say that it's not your feet that are visible right now I do not understand how we got there I'm just honest Or, or your, your, your friend from high school has just posted their picture of their corner office. Or your, your buddy's just posted the picture of his brand new motorcycle. Or, and so forth and so on. And you get the picture. Um, you know, the, 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 someone's posted a picture of, of their significant other. Or someone's posted the, actually posted a picture of shoes. For once, like there were actually shoes involved. Um, 
But as we look at all of this, we sit there and we're scrolling through this. And, and ultimately, at the core of it all, we're just hating life. I hate my life. <laughs> I'm on a five grand plus phone with beautiful internet connection. And I'm comparing myself to all of this. And I hate life. Why? Because somewhere along the line, we've bought into this burden of comparison. We've bought into the fact that, that, that we look at other people's lives and we compare ourselves to these other people. Here's the truth, folks. Let's be honest. We, don't, we, we only post our best life now. Isn't that the truth? We only post the best. You know what I long for? I long for the day. How many of you have seen those I just woke up photos? Not the real ones. The one where the girl's woken up, gone into the bathroom, spent three hours in there to walk out, to go lie back on the bed so she can look like Cindy Crawford, early 90s, doing one of her, oh, I just woke up photos. Rubbish. I'd love to see. I'd love to see the photos where someone's posting of themselves really just having woken up where it looks like trolls were teasing their hair for the whole night, rubbing jam in their eyes. You know those photos? Like those are the real I just woke up moments. But we don't post those. Why? Because that's not what we want people to see. When it comes to the comparison game, I've just put myself on the back foot. We never post our bad moments. If I'm honest, even within myself, when it comes to me standing up here on a Sunday, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that during the week, the precious people sitting in front of me have probably watched segments of sermons all week long. Six minutes, eight minutes long. The best part of, of whoever's sermon, fill in blank here, had sound bites sent to go, hey, check us out. This is, you know, this really spoke to me. And it's awesome. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. We should do it. But at the same time, I, it's, it's easy for me <laughs> to, to know, man, on Sunday, I've got to stand up there. And I've got, to make, I've got to make sense. It's like you start feeling like you're competing with some dude in America. He's not even the church down the road. And, and it's, it's, I'm just being honest. It's hard not to feel like you step up here and somewhere along the line, I've got to develop the humor of Andy Stanley. I've got to develop the charisma of Craig Rochelle. I've got to develop the body of Stephen Furtick. And somehow I still have to go home and love my family. And run a ministry. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying. They're my own comparison traps. That I can fall into. But if there's something that I do recognize within myself. Is that there is a chasm. Between who I am today. And who I believe God has created me to be. That's me being honest. There is this huge gap between who I am today and who God created me to be.
And as I say that, you might be surprised, but if you're honest, you'd probably admit to the same. You'd probably go, you know what, that's true. In my life, there is this gap between who I am and who I believe God has created me to be. Now I need to say this, there is a difference between comparison and self-examination. Big difference. Comparison is bad. It means I'm taking someone else's life and I'm using that as a yardstick as to, you know, my life doesn't look like that. I don't have X, Y, or Z as they do. Whereas self-examination is a moment between me and God. Going, Lord, I know that you have more for this life. I know that you created me for more. I know that, that, that you desire to see more out of Ramon. What did, what did David say? David said, search me, O God. Search me. Know my heart. See if there's any evil way in me. What's David saying? Lord, come through your, through your spirit. Come and examine my life. Come and show me what's short. Come and show me what's lacking. Come and show me what you desire to see from this life. And then give me the courage to respond and change it. And as you and I both sit in a place where we recognize that there's this gap between who we are and who we believe God has called us to be, I believe that's where the Holy Spirit just comes in and whispers to us and says, hey, I want to be the gap filler. I want to fill that gap. I want to bridge that gap. Let me. Let me. Allow me to. You see, folks, comparison is the enemy of God, but honest, Holy Spirit-prompted self-examination is an ally of God. So, how do I move from comparison to examination, godly examination? I believe at the end of the day, it's a discipleship issue. It's a discipleship issue. Here's what Jesus said, and Mozzie kicked off last week with pause. He, he kicked off with this uh, scripture out of Matthew 11, 28 through 30, and he, he read it out of the, the Message Bible, which says it so beautifully. This morning, I'd like to, to come and read it for you out of the New Living Translation. It says this. It says, then Jesus said, come to me. All who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden I give you is light. As we look at the words of Jesus, I think, first off, whenever we talk about an issue of discipleship, the, the words come are always involved. And here Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. 
You really want to move from a place of, of, of comparison to, to godly self-examination? You want to hit pause on certain things and take stock of life? Then come to me. doesn't matter if you're weary. It doesn't matter if you're carrying heavy burdens. In fact, if you have those, bring them. And I will give you rest. And then he goes on to say some stuff that I don't think we fully understand. He says this. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you'll find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. And he uses this word twice. He uses the word yoke. For a lot of us, I don't know if we fully grasp what, what, what Jesus is saying here when he, when he talks about us taking on his yoke. Now, a picture's going to pop up on the screen there for you of two oxen in a yoke. And that's, um, that's the, the, the more common reference to the word yoke. So as we look there, we see two oxen in a yoke. It means that, that there are these two oxen that are linked into a yoke with each other. That yoke would then have like a, a connecting pole to some form of wagon or buggy or some form of vehicle that it would be designed to pull. The yoke would essentially be how the, the, the oxen would be controlled, right? Which way to go? So here Jesus is saying, take my yoke, come, yoke in, let me guide you, let me direct you. Second, second meaning to this word yoke is this, it was again common terminology in its day for uh, the, the rabbis of the day would have what they call a yoke. Uh, a, a, a rabbi would, would um, you would say, I've taken that rabbi's yoke upon me. Uh, and when, when you took on a rabbi's yoke, it was a symbol of being in service of that rabbi. We call it discipleship today. You're a disciple of, you're a, you're a, a student of, you're a follower of. And what the rabbi's yoke was, the yoke of the rabbi was the teachings and the ways of the rabbi. So now we come back to Matthew 11. And we read that again. And maybe with some very different eyes. Where he says take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, come, take my teachings, take my ways. Yoke yourselves into it. Link in to me. Let me teach you. Let me teach you. Let me be your point of reference for life. Jesus is saying, come get linked into me. Because the burden that you've been carrying, when you link into me, the burden becomes light. And folks, the truth is, if we get linked or, or yoked, if we get yoked into the wrong stuff, 
it will drive you to exhaustion. When we think about this thing of being yoked and, and, and taking on the ways of God, we said that, 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 that within this process, we're actually talking about a discipleship process. It's actually, it's actually an issue of discipleship, saying yes to the, the teachings and the ways of Jesus. But here's the problem. Why do we live in a world that's full of comparison as opposed to re, um, legitimate self-reflection? self-examination the reason is that for far too long we've allowed the world around us to disciple us we've allowed the world around us to disciple us if that sounds like a harsh statement the truth be told think about it as we sit here today the world around us dictates to us what sexuality is and what it should look like and how it should work We've allowed the world around us to, to, to disciple us when it comes to our finances and tell us what our finances should and shouldn't look like, what giving should and shouldn't look like. It's amazing. Jesus has so much to say on the matter, yet we somehow revert to what the world has to say on it, follow that, then all hell breaks loose and then we want to blame God. We've allowed the world to, 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 to disciple us when it comes to what marriage should look like. And somewhere along the line, marriage has now become this contract. It's this, it's this thing that if I do this and you do this, then we're all good. But if I do this and you don't do that, then I can terminate this. Or, or if, 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 if you do this and I don't do that, then you can kind of make up your mind what you want to do. Rubbish, man. The day that God instituted marriage, it was a covenant. It had nothing to do with a contract. We've allowed the world to disciple us when it comes to our music. We've allowed the world to disciple us when it comes to our, to our business practices. You know, you have Christian ethics and then you have business ethics. Businessmen here today, I hope you're listening. Christian ethics, we need to love God and love people. Business ethics, screw them over as much as you can so you can fill up your coffers. Go and read the Gospels and read what Jesus had to say about business. Jesus had a lot to say about business. Jesus had a lot to say about treating people fairly. Let your yes be your yes, your no be your no. You don't sign a piece of paper and walk away. You don't shake a man's hand and change your, your mind somewhere down the line. No, let your yes be your yes and your no be your no in business. Men, women. There's no such thing as business ethics, folks. There's ethics. And Jesus has a lot to say about it. And when we follow, here's the thing, is that when we follow his way of doing it, life changes dramatically. We've allowed the, the world to disciple us when it comes to raising our kids. I'm still a firm believer in my my. My boy hears this statement every once in a while. My boy, your bum's going to burn. And guess what? When he doesn't listen, his bum burns. I hate it. Ask my wife. Kills me. But what do I understand? That if I don't discipline this child, then later on in life, someone else is going to have to discipline him for me. Yet, 
It's happened more than one occasion where I've actually had to take my boy in a shopping center and take him into a cubicle, into a bathroom, and go and have a conversation with him and warm his bum, love him. He says, sorry, I cry. (laughs) And we walk out. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm talking about discipline. Don't, parents, don't do it publicly. It's not there to embarrass your child. It's there to discipline your child. But each time I've walked out of that cubicle, there's been someone within earshot who's had something to say. And we, we buckle. We, we, we crumble to peer pressure. To, 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 oh, what, but what about what they'll have to say? Who cares? What does the Word of God say? What does the Word of God say when it comes to the governance of my life and the governance of your life? You know, this ties in with, with Romans 12 too, where, where it says, don't be conformed to the ways of this world, to the thinking of this world, but, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Allow God to come and transform the very way you act by transforming the very way you think. The only way that happens is when we take on the yoke of Jesus. When I take on the yoke of Jesus, allowing him to lead and guide and direct me, then there's something incredible that happens, is that he leads me face to face with my Father. He leads me face to face with my Heavenly Father. He does the exact same for you. When we allow ourselves to be yoked in with Jesus, when it comes to all of these aspects that we spoke about and more, our sexuality, our finances, our marriage, our music, our our business ethics, the way we raise our kids, everything. When we allow ourselves to be yoked in to to, to, to the yoke that Jesus offers, to his ways and his teachings, to his heart, then he leads and he guides and he directs us face to face with the Father. I've got a picture that I want to put up. And the reason why I chose this photo is it's myself and my boy. And the, the, the desire is not to draw attention to myself and my boy. I just know what that moment means. And that's why I'm using that photo. Right there you see my son is fast asleep, I am fast asleep. Clearly, his mother is not fast asleep because she's taking a photo of us. But as I'm lying there, my boy is face to face with his father. Is there any burden there? Is there any stress there? Is there any weight there? What is there? Peace. What is there? Security. And there's this lie that we sold that when we we sell out to Jesus, we lose our freedom. When we sell out to Jesus and the ways and his teachings and his heart for our lives, that life becomes boring. When I look at that photo, I know that at the time, (laughs) the amount of stress that was going on in my own life was huge. Does it look like he has a cooking clue? 
No. Why? Because I'm with my dad. It's safe. There's peace. And when we take on the yoke of Jesus, and we allow him to guide us and to direct us, and we stop comparing ourselves to the person next to us, we stop comparing ourselves to the way that the world operates, we allow for that self-examination to happen through his Holy Spirit. We take his yoke on us, and we allow him to lead us, guide us, and direct us. And we wind up face to face with the Father. Then that starts becoming the picture of what life resembles. I'm not talking about a utopia. I'm not talking about, about there not being stress. I'm, Jesus said, in this world you will face tribulation. But be of good cheer. For I have overcome this world. And that's what he says to you. And that's what he says to me. And he says it to us in that moment. There's no burden. The burden is light. Jesus says to you, and he says to me through the scripture, he repeats it, we've, we've spoken about it a couple of weeks ago in John 15, 4, where he says, remain in me and I will remain in you. And as the worship team starts making their way up, I just want to read that scripture one more time and, and, and I believe that as we l look at, at the context of what we've spoken about today, Jesus says to you and he says to me, remain in me and I will remain in you. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, my ways, my will, my teachings, my heart is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. Right there in your seats. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor and just, as you sit there, just close your eyes. So just close your eyes. I, I want to read this for you out of the message translation as Mozzie read it last week. And the first little part is a bit of my own paraphrase. But just as I read this, don't hear Ramon's voice. Really hear the voice of a loving heavenly father speaking directly into your life. You know what the burden is in your life right now. As you sit there, you know what the burden is. You know what you're facing in life right now. You know the areas of comparison that you've drawn as a result of this. But as you sit there and you know all this stuff, I'm going to ask you to disengage with that. And start engaging with the heart of a loving heavenly father who today says to you, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. 
I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. You'll learn to live freely and lightly. There's no more burden. There's no more burden. In Psalm 119 verse 14, in the message it says this, You're my place of quiet retreat. I wait for your word to renew me. I want to repeat that. You're my place of quiet retreat. I wait for your word to renew me. Today I'd like to end the service off doing something a little different, just remaining in this attitude. This morning you may be facing stuff that just seems so much bigger than you. You may go, Ramon, it's one thing to say I shouldn't compare, but the truth be told, the stuff's just too overwhelming. The stuff is just too overwhelming for me to, to, to not look at the lives of others and go, why do they have it so easy? Why is this for them and, and that for me? Ramon, the burden is not light this morning. The burden is heavy. And this morning, you, you may just need a couple of moments, just a space, you know. You know that when you head home now, it's just chaos again and you don't really know where you're going to find the space. And this morning, I'd like to create that space for us, to allow the Holy Spirit to come and create that space for us where we can just allow Him to come and be that place of quiet retreat. To be that word that comes and renews us this morning. So this morning, if you, if you just need, uh, we're going to close the service. And, and, and if it's not you, you're welcome to, to go and get some coffee and hang out and visit. I'm going to ask that you just be respectful of what's going on up front here. But I want to create a space where you can come up to the front here. Just come and, and find a spot. If you want to sit on the ground, if you want to stand, if you want to lie down, it, it really doesn't matter. It's not between you and me or you and anyone else in this building. It's just that moment between you and God. Just saying, Lord, right now, I realize I need to take your yoke. I need, to, I need to get plugged in and linked in and connected to you this morning. Lord, will you come and be that place of quiet retreat? Will you come and just speak into my life this morning? Will you just bring that renewing for me this morning, Lord? I don't want to walk out of here with this heavy burden, Lord. I want to walk out here this morning knowing I've met with my loving Heavenly Father and that as I walk out of this building, the burden is light. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you forward. Just get up out of your seat, come forward, come find a spot here, and just come and connect with your heavenly Father. 
as folks are making their way forward, I'm going to just pray over the rest of us. Lord, I thank you that as we head out this week into, into a brand new week, Father, I thank you that, that you are that Father, Lord. I thank you that you are that place of refuge, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you are not into comparison, Lord, but at the same time that you are into coming and examining our lives and just showing us where the changes are that need to take place, Lord. I thank you that you have such big plans for us, so much bigger than our plans for us, Lord. Lord, and I pray for courage for each man and woman sitting in this building this morning, Lord, to be able to come and say, Lord, this week I choose to yoke in with you, to take your yoke on me, to get stuck into your word, Lord, to connect with your heart, to follow your teachings and your ways, Lord. Lord, so that you can be the one that gaps, that bridges that chasm of who I am and who you've desired for me to be, designed me to be. Lord, and that as we do that, we can head out into the marketplace, into our families, into the world that we live in today and not buckle to the demands and the, and the desires of culture, Lord, but that we can stand up, be counted and represent you accurately to a world that so desperately needs it with a heart of love. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need to make your way over here, the band's going to keep playing. We're going to keep going. Please make your way up. Just come and connect with your Father.